Shalom, Rabbi Heather Miller from Keeping It Sacred. I wanted to share with you a little bit about our Torah. It's a 90-year-old Torah from Europe. And I wanted to share with you how we take the Torah out from the ark and how we read it. So we keep the Torah in an ark to protect it. It's also known in the Bible to say that the Torah was kept in, a, in an ark. This Torah, as you can see, is beautiful. It has some beautiful, these are called Eitzei Chayim, the trees of life that are adorned with some little waves because it's understood that that's a symbol of our freedom going through the waves of the, the Red Sea during the story of the Exodus. We always hold the Torah with these two scrolls held together with our hands together so it doesn't go anywhere. The other hand on top. We have these lions. Lion is a symbol of Judah, the tribe of Judah. And this one, this Torah was dedicated in loving memory of Mr. and Mrs. Davidson. Um, we're borrowing this Torah today and uh, we do this in, in their memory as well. So I'm going to go over here and I'm going to put it down on the table, switch cameras, and I'll be right back. Okay, so here is the Torah. It always has this cover. Oftentimes it has some crowns on it, maybe made of silver with bells, oftentimes with the symbol of uh, pomegranates for a couple of reasons. And I'm just gonna take this cover off as I talk. The, the crowns represent, this represents the way that the high priest would have been dressed with robes and with crowns, with bells on their ankles as well, with bells on their clothes to hear when they were coming. Uh, pomegranates symbolize the Torah. Torah um, is said to, say, to have uh, 613 commandments, positive and negative commandments. Uh, and 613 commandments are also what is said to have, pomegranates are said to have 613 seeds. So it's a symbol for our Torah. Our Torah has this cover, so we can put this to the side. This particular one has, of course, these beautiful lions and the Ten Commandments on them. Here we have this. This is called a wimple, and it is uh, the belt that goes around the Torah to keep the scrolls together. The scrolls, as you can see, have these little pieces here. These are called Eitzei Chaim, the trees of life, as I mentioned, and they kind of fit together like this. There's two on one and one on the other, and that way it doesn't shift going vertically. We can roll it out, and here is the beginning of the Torah. As you can see, for the most part, it is justified, so the text on this side is the same as on this side. And I'm going to show you properly the features of the Torah. So the features of the Torah are here. Let me just change this. Okay, the features of the Torah. So we have the scroll. This is made of animal hide and a kosher animal. And here we have the first letter of the Torah. This letter is known as the letter bet. And the rabbis ask, why does the Torah start with a bet? You would think it would start with an olive because olive is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The word is bereshit, which means in the beginning. Ba means in. Resh is like rosh, like at the head, at the beginning. 
starts with the bet because it should remind us that we should not look what's above, below, or behind, but we should always look forward as, of course, we read the Torah from right to left. Here we start with Bereshit. And as you can see, some of the letters have these beautiful little crowns on top. If you can see those crowns, those crowns remind us that not only should we read Torah, but we should also spring forth our own interpretations and remember to connect it to our own lives today. There's a great story about Moses being in the back of the classroom of Rabbi Akiva, and someone asks about those crowns on the Torah. Um, I encourage you to check out that story as well. But essentially, it's like having someone a thousand years later, uh, 1400 years later, uh, in the classroom of their disciples, 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 disciple, and them attributing these beautiful things to the Torah. Someone asked Rabbi Akiva, why did Moses put these little crowns on the Torah? And he he expounds on that reason as well. They're, they're crowns intentionally to crown the letters of the Torah. You can see very closely when we look, you can see that there is scoring of the pages. The scoring on the page serves to help the scribe, known as a sofer or soferet, um, write the words in a line. Notice, you know, in English we have the words, whenever we have a scored page, we write from the, we put the, the line on the bottom of where we write. Here, the Hebrew letters hang from the top of the line. So that's a really interesting feature as well. Scribes have a little book that shares with them how many letters on each line so they know exactly how wide to make each letter so that they can get this beautiful um, justification on the side. But every so often, a scribe may miscount or a particular line will have very few words. So there are letters like this letter. This letter is called a lamid, which are, there's a few letters that are able to be elongated like this so that you can achieve that straight line, that appearance of that straight line. So some of those letters are elongated. So this is indeed the beginning of the Torah. The way that we read the Torah is we say a blessing before it, and then we read it. We don't just read it, we chant it. And the system of chanting is called cantillation. Cantillation was created, the series of cantillation was created in around the year 900 by the Masoretes, the Masoretic text, which also put in the vowels. You can see there's no vowels. If you know what Hebrew vowels look like, they're dots and lines, a series of dots and lines, and this one does not have any of that. So the, you need to have a book like this called a tikkun, and you can see here, this side looks just like what the Torah looks like, and this side has all of the dots and lines that share with us what the vowels are supposed to be, and it also has these other little symbols. If you can see, this one looks like a little right angle, parentheses, a little wishbone looking one here that's called an etnachta. There's different, they have different names and they teach you how to chant the Torah. So you don't just read it, you chant it according to a system. So for example, this Torah we would read like this. 
Amen. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamahayim ve'et ha'aretz. And that means in the beginning created God, so God created et hashamayim, the heavens, ve'et ha'aretz, and the earth. So God created in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that is how the Torah begins. Well, let's scroll ahead and find new parts as well. So we just do a system of fast forward. I'm going to put this down so that I can do that properly with two hands. You always want to handle a Torah very, very carefully um, because it is our sacred text. But I do want to show you this. So as I mentioned that this is written with animal hide. And you can see here that no animal is as long as the Torah, obviously. So the two parts of the hide are sewn together here on the edges. And if you look very closely, I'm not sure if you can see these little tiny holes where it is sewn together carefully. Okay, let me fast forward it here so you can see more. Okay, we have come to this part. As you can see, there are one, two, three, four, five blank lines and then some more words. What is that? Well, as you know, the Hebrew Torah encompasses actually five books, the five books of Moses known as the Pentateuch or the Chumash. Chumash means five. Chaj, Shtaim, Shalosh, Arba, Chamesh. Chamesh is five, so the Chumash is five. So we have five lines separating each of the five books of Moses. Here we can see the end of Ba'aron, meets Raim. So this is the end of the book of Genesis. And then here we have the beginning of the book of Shemot, Ve'ela Shemot. Shemot is the Hebrew name for the book of Exodus. So Ve'ela Shemot, B'nai Yisrael, these are the names of the children of Israel. And the whole lineage, the story of the Exodus, the Passover story, begins here. So it's a really interesting feature. Stay tuned for more on the Torah. Okay, now this is my favorite part of the Torah, the favorite text. So this Torah itself is about 90 years old and from Europe. I actually have never seen this particular Torah before because I actually rented it for our services. Um, but I knew that this part of the text would look exactly like this, as every Torah is written in a very particular way. And for this, this part, is the way that this section of text is supposed to be written. So what part of the text do you think this is? Well, here's a hint. Number one, it's in the book of Exodus. So what part of the story of the book of Exodus, that, that Passover story might go with this kind of writing? Well, if you said the splitting of the Red Sea, you would be correct. So this shows you that the way that the, bro the bricks kind of lay out here, it looks like the sea itself is splitting, and here is indeed my favorite part. If you look at the bottom, the word for sea is in the ocean. The sea is Hayam. Hayam. Yam is the sea. And look, we have Hayam on this end and Hayam on that end. So we literally have the sea here split 
And in between, look what we have. Uvenei Yisrael, the children of Israel. So pictorially, through the calligraphy, you can see the children of Israel are going forth through the sea on either side. It's a really fascinating feature of every kosher Torah in the world will have this feature at this part of the text known as the Song of the Sea. It's the song that Miriam, the prophetess, we are told has, was singing as the Israelites crossed the sea. There they are going through the sea from one end to the next. So there you have it. Some of my favorite features of the Torah, including this one, I want to share with you this. This is known as a yad. We, we, always, we never want to touch the lettering on the Torah. They are very, very fragile. Actually, the animal hide is oil-based and the lettering is water-based. So the letters actually float on top of the animal hide. Not literally float like a hovercraft, but float like crayon kind of floats on top of paper. Crayon is oil-based, paper is water-based. Um, so in the same way that you can kind of scratch off crayon from paper, you can kind of scratch off these letters from this animal hide, but you would never want to do that because that, that is what makes this Torah kosher, is that every single one of these letters, no two letters touch each other. I know that this looks like two letters touching, but it's actually one letter. That's a mem. It's not a chaf and a bab. Um, but no two letters touch each other. It's a very, very specific and careful way of writing the Torah that is a tradition passed down. I spent six months studying with one of the world's only female scribes at the time she was only one of seven female scribes in the world um, jen taylor friedman which is so wonderful to do that in new york with her every week for six months but um, i have a real appreciation for all of the rules on the letters and you would never want to scratch off also when you write the name of god so you can see here the name of god adonai yud hey vav hey you want to be very careful about how you write that. You want to be in a state of ritual purity. There's a blessing to say, and then you write the name of God. Um, you can scratch off, if you make a mistake as a scribe, you can scratch off any of the letters except for the name of God. If you make a mistake on the name of God, you have to actually do the entire thing over. Now, not the entire Torah, but just perhaps the page, and by page I mean the part where the two parts of the page are sewn together. Now, you can only have no fewer than three full columns on the page. So a scribe's worst nightmare would be if they finally get to the third column and the last word on that column is God's name and they make an error in writing God's name, they can't scratch it off to replace the word they'd actually have to replace the entire page because they can't if they did it on the fourth column they could theoretically just cut here and lop off that part of the page and then add a new attach a new page and keep going but they'd have to get rid of all three columns that they had already attached so this is called a yad we don't ever want to touch the the page uh, only a scribe should do that in a way that is ready to help fix any letters that might have gotten smudged. And people want to do that about every seven years. You check your Torah. But uh, 
we never touch it. So you use something called a yod. Yod means hand. Now, most yods are meant for a righty, but I am a lefty. And uh, Rabbi Lisa Edwards knew this. And so she actually was able to procure for me this ambidextrous, all-inclusive yod. See, it's, it's just a flat yod. So you can chant with it left-handed or you can chant with it right-handed. Um, either way, it's all-inclusive. So I love this yod. It's my favorite yod. And uh, I encourage you to think about if you ever get a yod for someone as a present, think about what hand they write with or even better, think about getting them an ambidextrous yod. That is all for the Torah and some of my favorite features. So that was a story of this Torah. I hope that you enjoyed and uh, I look forward to seeing you on the next times we gather together. We have a sweet and sacred new year.